Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Food Tour. I'm your host, John Murray. And like I said, good afternoon. It's again, it's one of those rare days where I am off and I get a chance to actually do the do the show here. Uh, once again, as I always talk a lot of my uh, podcast rambles, anytime those uh, first time viewers, I want to say thank you for joining me, and I hope you enjoy coming back. And I've always said, you guys are family, your grandmas, your loved ones. I'll give you dog, a cat, whatever the case might be. Please, please, bring them on in and listen, listen, listen to the show. For those viewers that are doing for the very first time, I want to say thank you for doing so. And please, continue to come on back as well. I uh, really don't have much else to say. We'll, 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 we'll just jump, as, a, as the old saying, we'll jump hand in or feed in first or have, have the old saying goes. Let's, let's talk about uh, some news here that's come out here recently. Um, I guess to Terry Page, uh, Aaron Rodgers' uh, playbook, or as old saying goes, into the Baltimore Raven fans, R-E-L-A-X, relax. Lamar Jackson has come, has, has come into has come into town. Uh, Lamar's come in. Uh, uh, Coach uh, John Harbaugh said he would be there and he would run around with Keaton. Lamar did show up. I did see uh, a Twitter footage, I believe some Twitter footage that Lamar was passing to Rashard Bateman, a nice little scrub, came out, and Bateman, nice catch, and seemed to be doing very, very well. Now Lamar, of course, Lamar is in good faith, he's come in, and I'm sure Lamar has finally to tell people that, hey, I'm going to let my, um, my agent take care of all my, of all my business. Now, we have, we have talked in previous podcasts about how much he'll go to with that Lamar Jackson's book to the Baltimore Ravens. And we've gone over this before. He's, to me, he's not the Patrick Mahomes type of money or Aaron Rodgers type of money. Maybe, maybe not Josh Allen type money. But I can put Lamar Jackson in a case where I can put it as a Dak Prescott. Dak makes about $40 million a year. Lamar Jackson's probably worth that. Heck, he may be worth Maybe even forty-one million per year. And the one thing about this, if I can compare Lamar Jackson to Dak Prescott, Lamar's been to a couple of playoff games. Dak's only been to like one playoff game. Now, Lamar Jackson's history in playoff games has not been the, shall we say, the greatest in the world because that's kind of too much small in playoff games. But for Baltimore fans, they certainly know for a fact that Lamar Jackson. Yeah, it's not much hope. Not much hope for the, for the Ravens. Now, last year, he got hurt probably at the wrong possible time. The Ravens were contention with the Cincinnati Bengals for the NFC North Championship. And then injuries happened, and that hurt the Baltimore Ravens' chances of making the playoffs. Now, I'm sure argument can be made, well, the top two running backs were hurt before the season began. You're right about that. I can't argue that point. The Baltimore Ravens defense was not typical Baltimore Ravens defense because the Baltimore Ravens have a history of having some of the best defenses in the league. And last year, that was not the case. Now this year, this year they're healthy. The secondary to me could be one of the more better secondaries in this league this year. A lot of talent, some depth. Uh, they have signed a couple of free agency, free agents that are will help the defense right along. Now, the defense, I believe, will be better than it was last season. Now, can he 
top dig defense or top center rate with the multiple way we chose to use used used by having. We don't know. I still think it will, it will be better than it was last year. Now certainly Lamar Jackson's healthy. Uh healthy running game, JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards, they should be back this year. Uh the biggest thing would be his receiving core. Can the Sharp Dayton step up in his second year? Marcus Brown, as we all know, has gone off to the Arizona Card Arizona Cardinals, but he is back with Kyler Murray, his uh, former University of Oklahoma teammate. But, but Lamar is in camp. Like I said, for most for most people, I mean, not everybody has done his strategy. Lamar's come in and he's looking for, I guess he's looking to get in with his, you know, his new teammates, um, trying to get role connections. Showing everybody that hey, I am healthy. And with Lamar, most yeah, most agents take the most. I should say agents. Most players take the possibly uh, responsibility where they may come to camp and hey, I'm gonna let my my team take care of that business. I mean, there, there, there are plenty of people who do it. I know uh, Deontay Johnson, wide receiver for the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, who had a career year career year last year. He's taking that approach. Jeffrey Simmons, the sacker for the Tennessee Titans, he's taking that approach as well. Now some people are not taking that approach. You know, DK Metcalf is like, man, I'm not showing up. I gotta get paid. Terry McLean from Washington, he's taking that same approach. There's a lot of people taking a lot of different lot, lot of different routes. You know. And you know, each player is age you know, each agent has a different philosophy on that. But with Lamar Jackson, there's no denying Lamar Jackson, what he's what he means to the Baltimore Ravens. Because let's be honest with you, Lamar Jackson's probably worth maybe two or three more wins to the Ravens. Now, I think a healthy Lamar Jackson would have gotten whether whether he won the AFC North or not last year if he was completely healthy, that remains to be seen. And yes, I'm a Cincinnati Bengals fan, but again, I blasted my Cincinnati Bengals on several occasions last year, and if people know that I'm telling the truth, I blast them. So again, when you just like when you talk football, you have to be unbiased. There's a lot of people, there's a lot of talk, there's a lot of uh, you know talk shows or talk shows out there in sports and they're kind of biased because they are towards a certain player, a certain team. And that's not me. I'm not like that. I'll call it like I see it. But to be honest with you, it's hard. I, mean, I would like to think deep down inside, and I'll be honest, I think the Ravens would have had a better chance to win the North if Lamar Jackson was healthy. Then again, it probably been better off if the running game had been healthy as well. But do I think, but this year, the question mark is, is the, is the Ravens a viable contender for the AFC North? Absolutely, they are a viable contender. It's a, it's a, it's a tough division. And I get it. You know, you talk about it, the Cleveland Browns and how Sean Watson will they will Sean actually play this season? That's that that's going to be the million dollar question. Will he play this season? Because if Sean Watson does not play at all, Baker Mayfield's not going to walk back in the building and he'll take the real playoffs because he's going to either a set at home, either he's going to pull into Sean Watson. And set up the entire year, and you're going to have your coach set leading your team. Now, the thing about the Cleveland 
exist. You gotta love the running game. I like the running game. Again, you got Omari Cooper. And I can see him losing me another receiver. The defense, it has potential on the defensive side of the ball. It's not a bad defense. Cleveland, to me, Cleveland could have the potential of being, of getting back in contention with AFC North. But it all depends on what Deshaun Watson can do. The Steelers, I love Pittsburgh's front seven. The back end is a question mark for me. I know he had Fitzpatrick. He got a, uh, got a nice new contract as of yesterday, and it's rightfully so. He has been an excellent pickup for Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they gave the first round pick for him, and he has played like a first round pick. Now, granted, they have made, made a couple of pieces on the offensive line, but will it be enough to improve the offensive line? I'm not quite sold yet. And to be honest with you, I like Deontay Johnson. I'm interested to see if Chase Claypool can pick up in the third season. I'm interested to see if Pickens can move from the University of Georgia. Again, you got one of the better running backs in the league in Najee Harris. But the question mark for him comes, once again, quarterback. From what we understand, at least from what I have been told, or what I've been hearing that as of right now, Trubisky is the number one quarterback. He had been playing with the number one unit. Mason Rawls playing with the number two unit, and of course, the first round draft pick, Kenny Pickett is playing with the third, I guess the third unit, you might say that. And that's not a surprise. I expect that to be the case. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't think Kenny Pickett's going to leapfrog Trubisky for the starting for the starting job. I don't see it. I think what's going to happen. I think Trubisky will start. I believe that Rudolph will probably end up being the backup, and Kenny Pickett will probably be the third stringer. If Trubisky can play good ball this year, quality ball this year, Pickett might not see the field this year. To my understanding, the word on the street is that uh, it seems right now Trubisky seems to have very, a very good grasp of Matt Canada's offensive system, which is certainly good news for Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Mitchell has, has got a two-year deal. I'm assuming if Mitchell has if Mitchell has a let's say a decent year, I'm assuming he will be he'll definitely come back the next year in 2023 and be the starting quarterback again. I don't think this is this is not an Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love situation. That is far from being the case. But I'm interested to see if Trubisky struggles. And yeah, then you say forget Mason Rudolph. Let's go Kenny Pickett as a starter. That's a, that's an interesting question. For only that Mike Mike Tomlin can have. You talk about of course the Cincinnati Bengals. Now the Bengals pretty much have most of the pieces returning to their team last year, they've done one thing they had to do. They did improve on the offensive line, and they needed to do so, and that's what they addressed in the offseason, and that's what they did, and that's something they certainly needed to do. Um, again, I know they added the tight end, Hayden Hurst, which I think Hayden Hurst will be a fine pickup for the, uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. But for right now, it's, it's, it's a tough division. We'll see. I mean, to me, right now, comes down to the Bengals and Bengals. And like I said, Lamar Jackson certainly worth, is certainly worth an extra two or three wins. Lamar there. Lamar. We'll see what Lamar can do. I 
yeah, I think it's going to be, I think they're going back to, we're going to run the ball. You've got J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, they've signed Mike Davis. I think Justin Hill, who nobody really talks about, he should be healthy. So you have four four decent running backs that you have that they can run the ball all day long. But we'll see. We'll, we'll see how this all goes for Blue Man. We'll see how it goes. But for Lamar Jackson, it's interesting to see if Lamar Jackson throws to the Baltimore Ravens. To me, I would compare it to maybe a Dak Prescott type type of deal. If he gets 40, he might get 41 million a year. Because it's a, it's a dude that's the only day he earns Josh Allen type money. I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes, and I really don't think he's Aaron Rodgers. Patrick Mahomes, I thought he had a Super Bowl ring, and he's been to the AFC Championship game twice. And I've been to the AFC the last two years of the AFC Championship game, I should say. So Patrick has earned big money. Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks in the league today. Certainly, future Hall of Famer Aaron does have a Super Bowl ring under his name, even though it's been many years since he won. But I'm interested to see what he is worth to the to the Baltimore Ravens. And then again, he's coming in in good faith. I'm sure, hoping his agent gets the money that he deserves. We'll see. We'll see if he gets the money he deserves, or does the Baltimore Ravens say we'll let Lamar Jackson walk? And me, I find it hard to believe that the Ravens would let Lamar Jackson walk. Lamar is still, still young, still got plenty of football ahead of him. Now, I'm sure that most people are saying, well, you know, Lamar is going to have to change. Because if he runs the ball, he takes, he takes more chance of getting hit, more chance of getting injured. That's a gambling take with any scrambling quarterback in this league. We all know that. But it doesn't matter who you are. I know, like the Buffalo Bills, they're trying to get Josh Allen to pretty much stay in the pocket, pocket really this year. Because if they don't get him to scramble, it takes him too many hits. And that's understandable, sir. But that's part of Josh Allen's game. That's what made Josh Allen a dangerous player last season. Some people have Josh Allen maybe the number one fantasy quarterback going into this season because of, because of that. And you don't think you don't think that you don't think Pittsburgh would use Mitchell Trubisky in that Lamar Jackson capacity where he can where he can run the ball. Where he can run the ball. Now he just he's not gonna have Lamar Jackson's speed. But Trubisky's the type of guy that could do that. And I think and again, Mike Tomlin, I think, has always favored a mobile quarterback. Remember there was a day they had Cordell Stewart. Do y'all remember Cordell Stewart? That's what Cordell's game is based off of. But again, don't be surprised if that gets incorporated into Pittsburgh Steelers' game book this year. But for Lamar Jackson, yes, Lamar is certainly worth worth a lot of money. But for the Baltimore Ravens fans, I should say for the front office, how much is Lamar Jackson really worth to the Ravens? We'll find out soon enough. I guess the next subject we'll uh, touch upon. Of course, I guess we've, we've all heard the story now about. Um, Defensive coordinator for uh, Washington, Jack Del Rio, made the public comments, I believe, on his Twitter page, which I believe he has since deleted about com- comparing the George Floyd situation to the 
riots going on at the Capitol building. Now, he was trying to make it with her, so. It's, you know, and I've said this on, I've said this on previous episodes, and the problem is, is it doesn't matter if you're a coach in this world, a player, uh, you know, some kind of celebrity, a movie star, singer, uh, it doesn't matter if you're an, every, an average Joe. The point is, if you get on any media outlet, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, or whatever, whatever it might be, you have to always watch what you say, and you've got to be careful about how you say it. Now, with George and George Floyd situations, this the bottom line with George Floyd thing is you have to understand he was police officer. Police officer being a, shall we say, unarmed man. Whereas, if you go to the Capitol, if you go to the Capitol building, it was police officers that were trying to protect people, not only outside, but inside the building. So that's that's where that's where we kind of draw the, the line there. Now, with police officers, what is their creed to serve and protect? Well, the Capitol building, the bottom line is they were protecting people. Now, for those political buffs out there, I'm not, I'm not here to jack off any political stuff here. I'm here to talk about football. And they say, well, former President Donald Trump brought that upon the Capitol building with some of the stuff he said and, and that's I'm not here to get any dirt on that but but the thing with this Jack Delio yes he did he, he did say something completely wrong when he said when he said that see with the Capitol building the Capitol building just seems simple to this it was a if you want to say it's a Terrorist kind of act. He can certainly, he can certainly use use that, use that. And the police and police officers, security. There was some even I think I believe there was some action officer guys in that situation as they were doing to protect and serve. And with all protecting people on the outside, people inside, certainly congressmen, senators as well, as well. And then the police officers are doing their job, and that's exactly, you know, that's what they do, serve and protect. With the George Floyd situation, <laughs> you cannot say, uh, you cannot say that. They were basically being an armed man. They believe they thought he had some kind of weapon, and, and you know, that's, that's what it is it is. But again, it was, you know, it was, it was so uncalled for, and, and was, un- was unexcusable and unacceptable. And, and stuff like that, and stuff like this, police officers are bad men. Because there's, for every one or two police officers that do something like that, there's always probably 20 or 25 out there that have done, you know, great for their, you know, great for their community, city. And 
it's just stuff like that. It's just, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's, it's, un, it's unacceptable. Yeah, I know Jack the Elder, he got fined, well, he got fined a certain amount of money. Ron Rivera's coming in, and he's got to get Jack, Jack the Elder to apologize to the team for his season's action for being sailed toward. Um, I think some team, some teammates, some uh, players in Washington have kind of used that as a little run on the bridge. Uh, some have come out and said that, you know, he needs to apologize his opinion on certain situations. Some people probably don't agree, agree with the statement. And, but like, but the thing about it is, I think somebody comes out and says that, you know, walking into a new season, whether it's a player or a coach, to me, it, it kind of raises a red flag. It's like, okay, well, does that help, you know, team morality? And I believe that's what Ron Rivera was getting at. And Ron has a, has, has a good point. A controversial issue like that, or outside of team decision, and yes, it's unfortunately, and I hate to say it, it's, 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 it happens in everyday life. And there's certainly you in, you're in team sports, you want to block out as much as you can from the outside world because you want to focus on, you want to focus on the game, your teammates, and your coaches. And unfortunately, that, it's hard to do. Whether it's something going on, when something going on outside, like the George Floyd situation, there could be something going on in your personal life, the death of your family. It's it, it is hard. It's hard to do. But as in this day and age, there's a lot of athletes. I mean, you look at Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan would not get into any political stuff, or he probably wouldn't have answered questions about what went on. Now, a guy with LeBron James, but if you saw the reaction of LeBron James, stick a microphone, he would forgive you. But you know, some athletes today take more of a political stand, take more of a, yeah, I mean, the athletes of, of, of yesteryear, I should say. But for Jack Del Rio, Jack, to me, should have known a, a lot better. He should. And you cannot, there, there's no one in the world that's going to cover George Floyd to the, you know, to the, you know, print the article. There's no one in the world that you can compare it. It's, there's not really a comparison. Uh, Mike Longer could have could have had effects on on the nation as they try to compete for the NFC East. Well, to be honest with you, Washington's defense is actually nothing was not that great last year to begin with. It was projected to be one of the top defenses in this league. It didn't play like that. Now, I always thought the front seven wasn't that bad, but it was the back end that became a question mark. And to me, to this day, it's still a question mark in my book. Chase Young, I don't know if Chase Young will be ready by opening by opening day. I like John, I like Jonathan Allen. I mean, they've got they've got a pretty decent deep front seven. The secondary is a big question mark. They've made a few adjustments on the offensive line. Does that will that make much of a difference? The running game. I mean, I like Antonio Gibson. JD return. Kansas City return. You've got now Ryan, Ryan Robinson from the University of Alabama. And Rivera's always come out and said he's going to be a possible three-headed monster attack. Hasn't come out and said in so many words, but I think that's what he's getting at. Of course, Carlson Wentz is, is, is 6'4,000 in question. And can, can, can Paul 
person found the letter. And I'm going to try to really pronounce that letter, so probably the last chance to really start to play that in this area. And he's probably right. Terry McLean, Terry McLean is holding out. But when Terry McLean does come to camp, he's going to have a look at Washington and say, Terry, let's prove it doesn't matter who's on the ball and see if it produce. We'll see. I mean, we'll see what the Browns will do. Hopefully, that this doesn't come back to bite Washington Dark in the butt. I hope that um, they do not. You have to hope that this a situation like this or words do not come out and hurt this team or this team's chances of, of continuing this year. But to be honest with you, you never know. What they say, sticks and stones will break my bones. The names will never hurt me. I believe that I believe that's the same goes, but we'll find out if what Jim did do what he said. Will it hurt? Will it hurt the team that's in that locker room or the Washington? Right now, from what you can tell, doesn't look like it. But we'll see. But Gary, but Jack, Jack probably did the right thing by getting off any of getting off the Twitter with any media outlets. Because like I said before, and I'll say it again, you've got to be careful what you say on any media outlet whatsoever. And Jack becomes another fine example of everybody else got to watch what you say on these outlets. Next subject we'll bring up is quite simple as this. And this is, I got to file this under, huh, that's kind of interesting. A buddy of mine had sent me, a buddy of mine had sent me, guy I used to work with uh, a few years back, and sent me something that was very interesting. He told me that the, he had heard a rumor that the Rams were interested in maybe taking, uh, trying to get Saquon, Saquon Barkley from the Giants. Now, I have, this one I have not heard. This is a new one on me, but he had sent it to me a couple days ago, and I had to say, huh, that's kind of interesting. When I look at when I look at Barkley, it's like I kind of compare Barkley to almost Todd Gurley in a way, because Gurley had a couple of good seasons and all of a sudden injuries just got him, and of course now Todd Gurley's no longer is not employed by any NFL team. Now Barkley had a great rookie season, but guess what happened? The last two years injuries have bit him. So I don't think, to me, I don't see the Rams taking that much of an opportunity chance on Barkley. I'm not saying that it cannot be done. I don't, but then again, the Rams are the type of team that seem to give up, uh, seem to give up uh, draft picks on, on draft picks every single year. And they're drafting them in the third or fourth round every year. I don't know if the Giants would be very interested in trading, trading it to uh, the Rams or not. I really don't. To be honest with you, for Rams fans, I don't really see this coming as confrontation. I don't really see it. The thing about it is, they had Cam Akers. Akers had a pretty had a pretty decent rookie year, but unfortunately, he got hurt. Unfortunately, he did come back late in the year, right in the playoff run, which maybe he probably shouldn't have, but he wanted to come back, and he did. He wasn't completely one hundred percent, but Akers is back. Should be one hundred percent. Daryl Henderson did a good job. Of stepping in and doing it and doing a good job. So, yeah, you have two decent running backs and makers in him. 
me, I don't see a Barclay thing. Barclay thing is coming about. And I, I'm sure it's like when, when a big name like that comes out and the rumor goes your team might be interested and people just, you know, I'm sure fans go off the deep end. Oh my gosh, we got him and he'll go back to the Super Bowl easy. Well, to be honest with you, we don't need Barkley to get back to the Super Bowl. Bottom line is the Rams need to be simply healthy. And that's and that's the bottom line is. Again, I, I know it makes an interesting theory for the Rams fans to go get Barkley, but I don't see it happening. I know Barkley is coming off the end of his contract. I don't know if the Giants are serious about bringing him back. I'm sure a lot's going to have to be determined on what he does this season. It all depends on improvement of the offensive line. Can Daniel Jones finally prove, prove to be a decent quarterback in this league? It depends on it. Can the offense pick it up? And I think the Giants, I, is any, for Barkley to get a contract, if he feels that he ain't done, he's going to have to stay healthy. He's going to have to have a good year. And that's going to be the big, and that's going to be the biggest, the biggest thing right now. Is Barkley's health. It's simple play. Now, if he stays healthy, puts up good numbers, do the Giants re-sign him? Or do the Giants just go ahead and let him go and let somebody else sign him? And again, we all know about running backs in this league. It's hard to give a good running back a good contract. Zeke Elliott. Zeke's numbers they have had been dropping since he's got the draft contract. What's he gonna do? Christian McCaffrey's a fine example. He got a contract, but he's been injured prone. Now, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, led the league in rushing. Then again, he got, he was hopefully going to be rushing again this year, but he got hurt, but he came back late in the playoffs. And for anybody in the NFL, any executive will tell you it's hard to give a running back that big amount of money because, because of the time that running back takes. But to me, to me, I don't see the Rams going to get him because to me it's kind of like a Todd Gurley type of thing here with Barkley. But it's an interesting thought to put out there. But I don't see Barkley. I don't see Barkley being a Ram. Now, unless, I mean, to me, unless Akers gets injured again this year, Daryl Henderson again does not, does not step into a, a job. And then what do you do? Do you go do you go you gamble? You go get a Barkley at the trade deadline. I don't know. I don't really see that happening. I mean the Rams brought in last year Sony Michelle, and Sony Michelle had some good games for the Rams last year. And to me and to me, I think that's the bottom line with Sean McFay's defense. Sean McFay's all about offensive shit. That's all about his passing ball. And that's exactly what he does. It's all about Matthew Sharp. It's all about can Cooper Cup do it? Can Allen Robinson come in? Can Van Jefferson? Tyler Higbee? These guys, it all depends on what they can do. Akers is not a bad receiver backfield. Neither is Daryl Henderson. Nothing. But for Barkley, I don't see it. I don't see Barkley going to the Rams. Not one bit. Again, nice thought. Interesting thought, really. But I got a thought around there. I wouldn't have thought about that at all whatsoever. Now, for my um, Dallas Cowboys fans, I guess I guess you've heard Michael McCartney's come out and said, hey, there's a possibility that Dak Prescott could be actually run the ball a little 
year. This year. Now, to me, to me, Mike McCartney sometimes has not made the best decisions in the world for the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm with, I'm with Dallas Cowboy fans on that. I am. I'm really, I'm really with them in general on that. On that. His clock management skills might not be the greatest in the world. And there's all things he's botched up. But to be honest with you, I'm going to say that I'm I'm going to I'm going to agree with Mike on this one. You know, to me, Dak is not is not that. I mean, Dak is. We've seen Dak run the ball and run it with success. He has scrambled and done it with success. So I don't have a problem with our with our you know his thought process of going of of doing of doing that. Not at all. I think it's a, I think it's a smart decision. You know. How much do you want him on the ball? Would be the question mark. He's not Lamar Jackson. Far from it. Maybe I don't. I don't know if I would. I don't know if I'd put him in Josh Allen because Josh Allen is a bigger player than Dak Prescott. I put him. Put him in that category. But to be honest with you, I can see it. Oh, I can see it. I mean, the only thing now, the offensive line, it's been, it's been on the, it's been on the down, on the downside the last couple of seasons. And to me, you could still hit heading in the direction, heading in the direction. But hopefully, you know the offensive line gets involved. I'm sure you got Zeke. You got you got you got Zeke. Then again, you got CD Lamb is going to have to step up because the receiving core is not exactly is. There's a weakness in the receiving core. You have Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz, I believe he's battling contract interference. The new contract he's been holding. He's been holding out. But just, yeah, I mean, you still got Zeke, but he's been, uh, he's been, he's downside. And to be honest with you, and I hate to say it, but Mike might be right. Dak might have to step it up, and he might have to run the ball more. And I know Dak is, should be, Dak has come out and said he, this is the best he's felt in the last couple of, uh, last couple of years. He came off of a, of a gruesome ankle injury, and, and it probably, it probably took all, he probably was not completely, 100% from that ankle from that ankle injury and that I get you know you, you, you get that you understand it but I don't have a problem if we, if we have design plays where Dak can run the ball my concern with him is you hope he don't get hit and he hurts his ankle again or break a leg or something you know, or worse you hope not but I don't have a problem with Mike's assessment of this I mean the offensive line has been like I said it's been it hasn't been it's been on the downside now you know that. Again, you know, Zeke has been, Zeke is, hopefully Zeke will bounce, hopefully Zeke will finally bounce back and have a problem here. Tony Pollard, how about putting Tony Pollard on the slot? But then again, you know, maybe you think about it, Mike McCarty might have a choice, but have Dak run the football with him more. Let's talk about it. Like we've already said, Zeke's running, Zeke's running the ball, it's been, it's been down the last couple, in the last couple of seasons. There's times where Zach don't seem like he's the same guy he was when, when he was a rookie. And he was running people, running people over. Tony, why do you think he wants to put Tony Pollard in the slot? Again, you got Armani Cooper. I mean, Armani Cooper's gone. CD's got to step up. But then again, Michael Gallup's going to miss the first, what, maybe three or four games of the season. And then you got, what, James Washington, who hasn't really, who really hasn't, been the guy that the Pittsburgh Steelers thought they drafted him. That's probably long ago. They got a young man they drafted. Tolbert, who they believe could be an interesting prospect for them. 
And you got like what Noah Brown, he's still there. But the problem is, you don't, you have to wonder. Is the offense taking, to me right now, the offense it might be taking a step back and not forward. And I hate to say that, it looks like the offense is taking a step back. It would have been nice for them to go out and get. I've always said they could have gone out and re-signed a Josh Landry. I think that would, be, I would have been, that would have been great on their part if they had done that. Over and get a veteran receiver to be a new number two. But I think that's the biggest, that is the biggest, that's the biggest issue. To me, the offense is taking a step back. Hey, Mike McCarthy's got to be creative about it. He realizes there's no Mario Cobra. You know, Dalton Schultz is holding out, but I'm thinking Dalton will come to camp and, and the organization will work something out. But you got to look. Zeke's not been the same. I mean, they're trying to get Tony Pollard ball the ball. That's why they want to put him on the slide. And probably because the receiving core is not exactly, is taking his, is not as good as people make it out to believe. And that's probably why they want to put Tony on the field more. But Mike McCartney, he might have a choice. Everybody knows Dallas Cowboys' offense was a juggernaut last year. But to me, the offense, to me, it looks like it could be on the down, on the downside. And maybe he's got to do something. He's got, he's got to figure something out. Maybe he figures it over back on the ball a little bit more. Maybe I can get a little more something out of this. I can understand Mike McCartney's point of view on that. If that's, if that's what he was thinking. And maybe in the back of mind, that's what Mike is probably thinking to his coaching staff, maybe he's whispering in Jerry Jones's ear or Stephen Jones's ear that hey, maybe we got to do this because our offense is going to be down. It's going to be down this year. I don't know if all, I don't know if Dallas is going to have a top five offense this year. I don't know. I mean, I would still put the Buffalo Bills certainly up there. The Rams might be up there. Maybe even Tom Brady. Tom Brady's Tampa Buccaneers might be up there. If you want, if you want to maybe say the Cincinnati Bengals, but Burrow gets three receivers and mix them. Maybe I'm with you on that. But to me, I don't think Dallas is going to be a top five offense this year. Could they still be a top ten? It's possible. But I just don't think they're going to be a top five offense this year. And, it's, you know, and I think Mike McCartney realizes that. As much as we might bash Mike McCartney for all the like, clock management and all that stuff, maybe he realizes that, hey, I got to do something different. I've got to, I've got to, you know, I've got to switch things up. Maybe, maybe letting Dak run the ball a little more. Maybe, maybe that will help out a little bit. But again, I don't blame Mike for these thoughts and these ideals. He's got to do something. Will it work? I don't know. And I'm sure, and I'm sure Jerry, I'm sure Stephen are cringing that Mike McCartney's even suggesting this because, because, of, because, Lord forbid, if if Dak goes down. There goes Dallas Cowboys' chances of even winning, winning the division or even getting into the playoffs. And you know, and I hate to say it, but Jerry Jones is not getting any younger. There's come a day in time when Jerry's got to turn his, his operations over to one of Stephen Jones and the rest of his family. And I'm sure, and I'm sure Jerry is paces the floor, thinking, "What can I do to get my Dallas Cowboys?" A Super Bowl before I finally hand the reins over to the rest of my family. Jerry, this might be one incident where you might have to listen to Mike McCarthy because it's not, you don't have a 
offense, Jerry, right now. You need to do something to get it, you know, to get to get it back, to get something, you know. It might not be top five, but you need to be maybe outside that top five, maybe six or seven. Your defense, yes, your defense tremendous tries last year. And hopefully those tries continue. But you lost a couple of guys on defense. That's something else you're gonna have to work on on the defensive side of the ball. A lot of people are, are right now maybe picking Philadelphia Eagles. Maybe the one to win the division. Dallas will finish maybe second. I know Dallas got both games, I got one game. But admit that, but the truth is, right now Philadelphia may be the team, maybe the team to beat the East and not the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas was not aggressive enough in the offseason. Sure, they had salary cap issues they had to take care of. They got rid of Amari Cooper because of salary cap issues. And to me, that's a shame because if, if because if Cooper could have came back, you could have, if Cooper had re- had remained on the team, you would have had Cooper. You would have had Leonard. Maybe you know if you give Dak Schultz the money he wanted, maybe Zeke and Popper. Hey, maybe that offense would still be something. You know, maybe maybe a top five offense. But for right now, it's not a top five offense. Mike McCartney sees that. He not, he understands that. But for Dallas fans, for once, might might be saying, well, <laughs> things that don't make a lot of sense to you. But this one right here, I hate to say it, it may make some sense. Dak might have to run the ball to get that offense, at least help that offense. Be, I don't think he's going to be a number one offense or number two offense, but at least he's going to have to do something, step it up even more to get the offense to at least be maybe a seventh, or eighth best offense in the league this year. He's going to have to do that. Mike understands that. And we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Could be wrong. But Dallas' offense on the downside. We'll see if he can pick it up. Right now, for uh, fantasy football fans, I have the last few episodes. Now, I did not do it this past episode. I've been giving you fantasy players to keep an eye on for this coming for this coming season. The last two divisions that I haven't discussed, and we'll discuss it right now, are possible players for the AFC South and the AFC West. And we'll jump we'll jump right into it. Let's talk about the Tennessee Titans first. And there's a couple names that I could throw out there. But there's two names I've been kind of floating back and forth. We can name three names. But I'm gonna stick with I'm gonna stick with the uh, uh, tight end that hasn't produced the last couple of years with the Cleveland Browns, but he could be a very interesting pick. That'd be Austin Hooper. Now Hooper's gonna have to step up his game this year because because right now Robert Woods we don't know if he's gonna be ready by opening day, and that's gonna put a lot of pressure on the young rookie they drafted to take to take a spot to take the spot. Of AJ Brown, and to me that's going to put more emphasis probably on Derrick Henry running, running the football more. But Hooper's a guy you have to remember back when he was with the Atlanta Falcons, he put up some pretty decent numbers for the Atlanta Falcons, which got him the contract he earned with the Cleveland Browns. But when he got to Cleveland, Cleveland didn't know how to use him whatsoever. Now there's a lot of pretty decent tight ends in this league. Don't get me wrong on that. But if you need to, but to me is he's a guy to keep an eye on because simply put, 
season. And don't be surprised if he has ends up having quality numbers. Now, I know people say, well, Ryan Tannehill, he's had his ups, he has his downs. I'm with you. I understand you and all that. But, and I know there's, like I said, there's a lot of quality tight ends in this league. But, for me, Hooper could be that number two tight end that you could put on your roster. And if you need him from a, from a game-to-game perspective, he's a guy that you can certainly, certainly use. And I think he could be a valuable asset to your team. Now, let's talk about the Indianapolis Colts. And we'll talk about the one... The one offensive weapon nobody talks about. No, we're not going to talk about Jonathan Taylor because we all know who Jonathan Taylor is. But what about Michael Pittman? Michael Pittman's numbers have gone up the last the last couple of years. He had an average. He didn't have a great rookie season, but this year, last season, it took his game up that much more. This season, it could go up that much more. Because to be honest with you, he's really he's the he's the biggest receiving threat they've got. He is going to have to be the number one receiver for him to step up his game. Now, I'm interested to see if he has a good rapport with Matt Ryan. Now, Matt Ryan's going to have some good receivers. Tyler Woodley, Julio Jones, obviously. He's uh, he's going to have some good receivers. I'm interested to see if Matt Ryan's rapport is going to be with Michael Pittman. But to me, Pittman had a good had a very good year. Had a good year last year, and this year his game could go up that much more. Now, I'm interested to see again what he can do with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's one of the more underrated quarterbacks in this league. And Pittman's going to have, Pittman could very well, and Pittman to me is about the only legitimate offense weapon as far as receivers go that they have. I know Jackson is dying from out of the University of Cincinnati, but I don't think he's going to be that big of an impact right off the bat. But to be honest with you, Pittman's about the only surefire weapon that they really have. And Pittman's numbers have gotten better. Now Pittman is not gonna be not, not gonna be reaching the same breath as some other receivers in this league. But I gotta be honest with you. He's the only offensive weapon that the Colts really have, other than one Jonathan Taylor, obviously. But he's a guy that you can certainly use. Plug him in your line. He could be a good number. He could be a good number. He could be a good number three receiver on your team. So please keep Michael Pittman in mind. Now I'm gonna go with the Houston Texans. And there's one guy that I want you to focus on and keep a very close eye on. Y'all's name is Damian Pierce. He comes from the University, I believe he comes from the University of, of Florida. Now, yes, and he is a rookie. Now, here's the thing I have to say about him. Let's be honest with you. You look at the running game right now. You've got Rex Burkhead. Rex is not going to be never is not going to be the down running back. Now they did get they did they did pick up Mac from the Colts. Now if Mac is healthy, he could be an interesting he could be an interesting pick. But I'm looking for right now. I'm looking at long term, and Pierce is a guy that I would certainly look at look at for the for the Houston Texans. Because let's be honest with you, Burkhead's not going to be the long-term answer. Even though I think, outcome, I believe Matt could be a pretty, 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 could be an interesting player for, for fantasy owners. Because to me, I think Matt, if he's healthy, is better than Burkhead. But Pierce is a guy that you need to keep an eye on. Because to be honest with you, I think this is a guy that could supersede both of me and be the starting running back in this league for the Texans. 
Now you got a young you got a young quarterback. Why not have the young running back? And let's build on and let's try to get a young a young receiver. Some might say Nico Collins could be a guy to look at if you go for the Texans. But Pierce is a man that I've got you've got to keep an eye out on because the running game is you've got two veterans that might be hanging just hanging on a thread to a roster spot. But here's a guy, Pierce, that eventually I think is going to be the starting running back at some point during the season with Texans. Not right away, but keep an eye, keep an eye on him. Now, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I can go a lot of different directions with, with Jacksonville. And there's a couple of players I can go with. But the one thing is, one guy I'm going to go with is Trevor Lawrence is what I'm going to go with. I kind of went back and forth again and evidently going to do Trevor Lawrence. Now, Doug Pearson does a pretty good job working with, with quarterbacks in his league. And he's, he's, learned from, he's learned from some pretty good quarterbacks as well. Trevor did not have the best numbers in his league. But Trevor right now, Trevor, Trevor I believe should improve in his second year. And under Doug Pearson, I think his numbers will certainly go up. Trevor... I wouldn't be surprised if Trevor actually runs the ball a little bit more this year. He has the capability of doing so. And to me, they're doing the best they can to build him, build more players around him. James Robinson, hopefully he'll be back. His former college teammate, he'll be back this year as well. And again, he's a guy that you could probably look at as well. As well. Edline, Travis Edline, if you want to look at him. He's a possibility that you could look at for a possible fantasy player as well. Marvin Jones, he always goes under notice. They actually signed Evan Ingram away from the Giants, which to me could be an interesting pick as well. But Jackson is doing a good, good trying to do a job of building players around around Trevor Lawrence. To me, Lawrence's numbers have got to be have got to be better. And they should be better. Doug is a is a good coach when it comes to quarterback. He's worked some magic with Carlson Wentz even, and he did a pretty good job with what Nick Foles and got he got them the Super Bowl. I think with Trevor Lawrence, I think he can do could work some some more magic. Now I'm not going to say Trevor Lawrence is going to be the next Patrick Mahomes or something like that. I'm not going to say that, but Trevor should be able to bounce. Should be able to put up some much better numbers this year. I think Trevor could be a good. He could be maybe, if you're trying to stash a quarterback on your roster, I think Trevor could be a guy that you could stash on his roster. But I do see signs of improvement for Trevor Lawrence. Let's go to the AFC West. Let's talk about the Denver Broncos. And there are so many there are so many guys that you could talk about for the Denver Broncos. But I'm going to bring up one guy. Horton Sutton. Horton Sutton, you got to remember, was the number one receiver a couple years ago for the Broncos. And of course, injuries hurt him. And then he came back from injuries last year. But of course, quarterback play was a question mark. Teddy Bridgewater seemed to be a Jerry Judy fan. And then one minute was what Tim Patrick. Tim Patrick. Sutton never got off off the off to a good start with Bridgewater. Now I think he did catch a few more passes under Drew Locke, but now there was too much question on quarterback play. But now here he is, Corbin Sutton. He's 100% healthy. He is the number one receiver for the Broncos. 
Andy Dyer Russell wasn't going to be a football. It's hard. It's hard to look past it. It's hard to look past past all that. Some may say Judy could be a guy to keep an eye on. I know Javante Williams is is a big name. He's a big name on a lot of people's boards that they may jump on. But with Melvin Gordon coming back, I see the same situation. Gordon leaving, splitting carries. I don't see that situation changing. I think Javante is going to be difficult with with Cortland Sutton. You can use Judy in that same sentence as well. But here's here's a guy that with Judy and Sutton are two guys you've got to look at it for. I know Russell Wilson's a quarterback, but I think Cortland Sutton is a guy that you need to keep an eye out on because I think now that he's completely healthy in his injuries, I think with good quarterback play, he's, he, is, he was a number one receiver a couple of years ago, and I think he can carry a tiny little more receiving spot. And if he stays healthy, I can see a thousand yards. Certainly, I can see him being a thousand yard receiver easily, and I can see him get back and maybe ten a touchdown type of season. Keep an eye on Cortland's all of a sudden. Let's go to the, let's go to the Chargers. Wow, where do you yeah the Chargers are hard to to come by, as you, you kind of know the players already you know about, but I'm gonna go, but I'm gonna go with a guy that played. A couple of games late last season and showed me a little something and that's going to be Josh Palmer of the Chargers. Now I get it before we start before we start getting on our case. Josh is a one of three receiver and do I think he can do I think he's going to be better than Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are the one two punch. Now yes I got Austin Eckler but to be honest with you for what I've seen of Josh Palmer last year, I can see I can see a possibility at some point at some point in time during the year if injuries if injuries occur to Keenan Allen or Mike Williams and Mike Williams is known to be injury prone in his career, I think Josh Allen can step up and be a good number two for Justin Herbert. Now he played a game he played late last season, played well. Justin Herbert and Justin Herbert had no problems at all whatsoever throwing the football to a young young receiver. So, to me, I keep an eye on Josh Palmer. I know he's probably number three receiver. We don't go jump on number three receivers. But Josh's guy, if you're in the dynasty league, I would, I would store him. I'd stash him somewhere on my roster. Because I think Josh, I think Josh, Josh could produce some interesting numbers for you. I know it's kind of a cardinal sin to don't go after somebody number three receiver. But we already know about Keenan Allen. We know about Mike Williams. We know about Austin Eckler. You know about Josh Herbert, but but you need to know the unknown. Josh Allen is so still so unknown. He's a number three receiver. I'd go go get uh, I'd go get him. Keep him on your roster. I think he's going to be a good player in the future. For the Kansas City, for the Kansas City Chiefs, it's kind of hard. It's hard for me to say. Bill Patrick Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Travis Kelsey. Excuse me. But the thing is, who do we get? Who do we get as the next guy to step up for them? And for me, I'm going to go for a gentleman that has put up some numbers in the past. And that is Juju Schuster. Yes. I know Juju, it's going to be kind of hard to say this. I don't know who's going to be the legit, legitimate one guy. I would say that he would have to be, if there's, there's a lot of depth at receiver for them. Juju's going to step it up. He's got to step up 
step his game up. You know, down like Patrick Mahomes. Patrick's going to make him step his game up. Juju had the capability of being a thousand yard receiver. I don't think Juju's going to light the world on fire. He's not going to blow past anybody. Because that's why he got Marcus Val Scanlon. He could be, he could be a Travis, you know, he could be like a Tyreek Hill 2.0 as far as stretching out defenses. But Juju's the type of guy that can catch all the other end stuff. And he can quietly go out and get you a thousand yards. Now, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of on the fence on this. But I think Juju's a guy that could bounce back if he's healthy. If he's healthy, and had put up quality, put up quality numbers for the Chiefs. He's in a good offense. The offense is going to certainly pass the ball more. So obviously, I think he can certainly come back and bounce back and have a good year. Finally, for the Raiders, I keep going back and forth. I can even talk about Adams. Rofro no longer is a sleeper. But I'm going to go with one guy that nobody ever seen people seem to forget, and that is Josh Jacobs. Now, Josh has been dinged up the last couple of years. I get it. But Josh, for some reason, still puts up quality numbers year in and year out. And Josh, at one point in time, was considered one of the top young running backs in this league. But under Josh McDaniels, I think if he's healthy, some improved play on the offensive line, you got Derek Carr. And I think people are going to, I believe that people are thinking that Josh McDaniels is going to throw the ball because he's got good weapons along with Darren Waller. But to me, don't sleep on Josh, Josh Jacobs. I know Josh Jacobs is in the final year of his contract, and I think Josh is determined to pretty much put up solid numbers so maybe the Raiders can re-sign or some of the team out there is willing to give, to give him the, the money. I know Kenyon Drake could be a sleeper pick for some people because of Josh McDaniel and what he might do with him. But don't sleep on John. Don't sleep on Josh Jacobs. If he's if he's anything like Bill Belichick, he's gonna want a running game, and you're gonna lean on one Josh Jacobs to, to do that for you. Because Josh is certainly number one running back on this team. Yes, you still got Kenyon Drake. They drafted a young man, a young man that could have some playing time as well. But to me, if you want to run the ball, Josh Jacobs has got, you've got, he's got to be the man that you've got to rely on. If he can stay healthy, Josh could be a thousand, still a thousand dollar running back if he stays healthy. And that's going to be his biggest issue. But don't sleep on him whatsoever. So keep an eye on one Josh Jacobs. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're almost out of time for this, for this episode. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, I want to thank you for uh, joining, joining me once again. I want you to take care of yourselves. Stay safe. And I'll talk to you again soon.